teacher. He's honestly a constant teacher for me. I call him my forever teacher, a mentor, a friend, a colleague, and also my head elder at Highland Avenue SDA Church, for which we're privileged to work together again. So thank you so much for your kind words of introduction. To all of you who made this possible, the worship team, I know how hard it is to be an AV, to work a camera, to work sound, to have technical difficulties. Zoom, trust me, the pandemic hits you just as hard as it hit the rest of us. But God is faithful, and we celebrate his faithfulness today. And last but not least, all my beloved brothers and sisters who walk by faith and not by sight toward that MDiv. I know it's hard. I know the battleground is rough at times, and many of you are only here for worship credit or you're even studying via Zoom and have your camera somewhere else. I get it, I know, I know the struggle very well. May the Lord bless and continue to keep you on your journey. You will make it. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We'll begin with the first verse. We'll finish with the fifth verse, but I want to emphasize one verse in particular. Even though it was wonderfully read earlier, um, I want to reemphasize it to you now. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse, that wonderful prison epistle. We'll end with verse 5. Reading from the NIV, this is what it says. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, ladies and gentlemen, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Hear me now, but you, seminarians, but you, keep your head in all situations. Pastors, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Chaplains, be sure to discharge all of your duties as a minister of the gospel. But one more time, let me reemphasize where we're going today. Verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. At this time, I hope the AV team and the worship team isn't too mad with me. I had to change my title because it's more fitting this way. I want to talk to you just for a few brief moments under the subject, it is essential. It is essential. Let's pray. Father, speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. In his top-selling book called Essentialism, author Greg McEwen chronicles the most critical decision he made that prompted his need for change. 
It was the day after his wife had given birth to their newborn precious daughter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mother and daughter are laying there on the gurney, hooked up to monitors while bonding through shared exhaustion. Greg was on the phone, checking emails, sending text messages, and working to meet the demands of his career. While in the room, he received a message from a colleague concerning their mutual client meeting that was taking place that same day. And he urged Greg to leave his fatigued wife and newborn daughter to attend this important meeting. He wrestled. He fought. He lost. Greg went to the meeting and was told these words, the client will respect you for making the decision to be here. However, the client's disposition evinced no such evidence. As a matter of fact, it was the total opposite. The meeting resulted in no progress and Greg's emotions flared. Greg, was so concerned, hear me now, was so concerned with impressing others that he forsook what he called essential. Greg was so concerned with impressing others that he forsook what he deemed essential. If there's anything that COVID-19 contributed to the world in any form of positively, it is a new lingua franca we collectively speak and understand. Words like social distancing, words like face coverings, words like essential. There are essential items we all learn that we need. Everybody needs toilet paper and disinfectant. There are essential services that must keep going forward despite the things that take place in our world today. Those services are things like food provision, clothing distribution, and so much more. And then we also found out that there are essential workers. Some of you found out the hard way just how essential or non-essential you are. Essential workers, frontline, healthcare, safety, etc. Essential, that which is necessary, essential, that which is crucial, essential, that which is pivotal, essential, that thoroughly, which is imperative. One of the most powerful disciples ever is on his way out of ministry, talking about Paul. And the deep undertones of his letter here in 2 Timothy let us know that this must be one of his last letters as he constantly references suffering, incarceration, and death that seems to be looming with every stroke of the pen. He's on death row. 
The axe and the executioner are right outside. His head is about to be taken from him. His life is to be ended. And Paul decides, before I make my exit to the grave, before I leave the ministry, let me impart to my young protege, Timothy, what he needs to know. And so he decides to let Timothy know the following things. Timothy, I want you to remain loyal to the gospel. Don't you dare forsake this gospel. I want you to hang on in there. Remember what I taught you. Remember the faith that was brewed in you and in your grandmother and in your mother and continue to fan that flame. Timothy, I want you to endure hard times. Stay with me, seminary family. I want you to endure hard times as a good soldier. Quit all this complaining about not being able to do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. Be with who you want to be with and stay how long you want to stay. Endure hard times like you know which army you have enlisted in. Join me, he says, in suffering for the shared faith that we collectively hold. And finally, one more thing. Tim, I want you to make sure that you preach the word. Timothy, do not preach your opinion. Preach the word. Timothy, do not get caught getting um, shouts from the crowd, but focus on preaching the word. Timothy, before I leave here, let me let you know what the key to my success is. It's not found in how many people like me because they tried to stone me many times. It's not found in how nice my car is because I've been shipwrecked and bitten by vipers. Timothy, it's not about how powerful I think I am in my persona, but it's all about the word. If you preach the word, people will change. Preach the word. Why? Because there's a time coming when people will no longer want to hear what thus says the Lord. There's a time coming when people like King Ahab will gather only those who will tell them what they like to hear and reject those who speak against them in the name of Yahweh. You would like to think, beautiful people, that a, that a catastrophe and a pandemic and COVID-19 would compel folks to become more spiritual. You would like to think that these circumstances in which we find ourselves still wrestling through the tail end of a pandemic would cause people to seek God more. You would optimistically believe that a global pandemic that caused cash and coins to practically be useless rendered millions of people infected and almost four million people today are deceased by this virus and shut down everything and shut down everything in Berrien Springs, where already everything closes at 6, 7, and 8 o'clock in the backwoods and the fields where the best thing you have is baguettes. You would think that it would convince folks. I grew up here. Let me talk about my hometown. You would think it would convince folks to see God. No, Timothy. You see, in the latest research that was conducted in the 2021 study for the state of the Bible, that's conducted annually between Barna and the American Bible Society in conjunction with each other, we learned the following things. 54% of American adults say the country would be worse off without the Bible. That seems pretty good, right? Hold on. 
54% of American adults say the Bible contains everything that you need to know to live a meaningful life. Now, let's break that number into its accurate components. You see, they put it in a category where you can rate it as strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, or strongly disagree. Those who actually strongly agree that the Bible has everything I need to live a purpose-filled, missional life, only 30% believe that. 24% are on the fence. Eh, it's got some stuff. It's okay. It's got some good things in it. It's like Aesop's fables. It can give me some of the tales and narratives I need less necessary for moral lessons, but I don't like its transformative power. Mm, 24. Leave it there. Only 30% strongly believe in America that the Bible contains everything you need to live a meaningful life. Let me make you a little bit more aware. Watch this now. 11% of American adults today read the Bible seven days a week, but it drops to 5% for those who read the Bible four to six times a week. 9% read it one to three times a week. 8% read it once a month. Notice how the number goes up and the frequency of reading goes down. Read it once a month, three to four times a year and once a year, or all that 8% bracket. And this comes, here's the funny fact, outside of church. This is calculated based on those who open the Bible outside of you standing here and saying, turn with me to the book of such and such. Folks aren't reading the word of God, but there's more. 13% read it once a year. 29% have never read it. But Dr. Hux, this is what threw me all the way off and made me bring back this vigor and tenacity to push this thing again. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me now. Most astonishing figure is that in 2020, including the global pandemic, Mishoni, 63% of Americans say their Bible reading habits did not change. Folks already aren't reading the Bible enough. And 63%, despite catastrophe and contamination and all that's breaking out across the globe, still 63% of Americans say, I would rather stick to my normal routine of reading scripture than, in, in, than get more into the depths of the word of God. I would rather stay in the shallow relationship that I have with God than be transformed, challenged, and changed to take it to another level. The world at large has told you that the word of God is not essential. Frankly, the word has not, frankly, you have not been dubbed essential. Ah, this is going to get you right here. According to federal definitions and listings, pastors are not classified as essential workers. We don't need y'all. That is the message the word is sending right now. We don't need your Bible and we don't need your ministry. This is the world that you've been called to minister to. This is the world you're anxiously trying to break out of the seminary and breach into so that you can minister. But let me be abundantly clear. It's hard out here. Infections are down. Crime is up. And the word of God is scarcely read and preached in frequency. 
But one thing I noted that's so interesting in what Paul is emphasizing to Timothy is this. He says, Timothy, I want you to hang in there and learn how to endure and join with me in suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Endure. That, that seemed to keep coming up. I had to look at it again. How many times does he say it within 2 Timothy? In 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, therefore I endure everything. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. 2 Timothy 3.11, I endured persecutions at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and all, all, all manner of places, yet the Lord has rescued them, rescued me out of them all. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, keep your head in all situations and endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of the ministry. I've got some tough questions that I want to ask you before I get ready to take my seat in just a few moments. And here's what they are. When you leave seminary, you will be the hottest flame on the block. Your zeal for ministry will be at a zenith for you. And you will courageously try and take on the kingdom of darkness with all your might. But here's my question. Can you endure? See, when times get tough and conference paychecks are slow or they disappear as quickly as they came because of your bills and as soon as they're deposited, can you endure? Can you endure when people don't compliment your sermons like they used to at the back door when you first got started at that church or in that district? Can you endure? Will you endure when you are tempted to water down the gospel? because people don't like Daniel and Revelation anymore? Will you take on preaching assignments as fiscal opportunities or as, minist as ministry ones? Will you endure in preaching the word of God with courage and tenacity and fervor, or will you quit and join the ranks of those who gave up on the gospel for temporary pleasures. What will you do when transformation church, yeah, I said it, elevation and Hillsong churches have more views than your two YouTube combined? Can you endure when your members won't even repost your own worship experience? but repost other churches and other denominations that they find to be more appealing than the word of God that you preach. Can you endure? Can you endure and push to the point where even that if God says that you will not be popular for preaching a social justice sermon in an unpopular context, that you'll still preach it, even if they don't invite you to speak on the camp meeting stage and sequester you to the backwoods, to the middle of nowhere SDA church with your three members in one church, four in another, and your family making up the last district. Can you endure? Paul told Timothy in 2 Tim 4, 3, verses 14 through 17, he said, listen, don't you dare forget the power 
of this book that we claim to live by. Don't you dare forget that the words that we speak are not our own, but they are God-breathed. They are his life being spread. It is him speaking and breathing life over you. Every single time you open that book, Ellen White says every time you open that book, you are blessed. Y'all need to open the book and read the book and preach the word of God. Stop preaching all this foolishness, trying to become popular like the preachers next door. We got enough Stephen Furtick's out there. We got enough Michael Todd's out there. And frankly, let me come a little bit closer. Stop trying to copy even your, your favorite preachers. We have enough Carlton Birds out there. We have enough Dwight Nelsons out there. God has called you where you are, where you're from, how you are, knowing what's in you, knowing where you shall be. And he says, preach the word. The word is essential. Now... You can't preach a word if you don't know the word. You can't claim the word is essential and yet not utilize it in your own living. Careful people. Many of us want to preach, but nobody wants to study. We come to this wonderful building and we ask within the beginning of every single class, what will this contribute to my ministry? This won't help me in the pulpit. This won't work in my community, but would you be surprised that they are giving you tools that are necessary to dig beneath the surface that we all have often succumbed to, to find the gems of scripture to be true and to give people fulfilling real food and not all the cotton candy that's circulated on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Because let me be clear, it is only the word of God that sustains. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is the word of God that helps you with the madness of Monday. It's the word of God that deals with your temptations on Tuesday. It's the word of God that helps you get over the hump on Wednesday. It's the word of God that keeps you holding on on Thursday. It's the word of God that allows you to rest on Friday night. And it's the word of God that wakes you up Sabbath morning saying this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it it's the word get in the word stop telling me what everybody else is preaching and preach the word stop going on sermon central and YouTube every Sunday and Saturday evening when you're bored with your notebook in hand, trying to copy somebody else's sermon and remix it to your own version. That's not the word God gave you for the people you need to speak to. Speak to him. Lie out on your face. Agonize before the altar. Tell God, God, I'm not leaving this place, even if I can't do my homework until you give me a word. I need a word. Because the word is essential. The word is imperative. The word is pivotal. The word is necessary. The word is vital. The word is life-giving. I need a word because man shall not live off your words, but by every word that God has to say. We've entered a season 
where folks are divorcing word from community activism and engagement. Now everyone believes that I have to either be in the community fully or be in the pulpit fully. Pulpit, pulpit, ooh, excuse me, fully. But in Matthew 23, we find Jesus combats this with the Pharisees. And he says, it's great that you guys tithe. That's cute. But what about justice? And you ask, where is the God of Malachi? What about justice? Don't divorce your word from your practice. Many of you scoffed at October 2020, and many of you texted me asking, you know, how is it out there in the field? What is it like hearing about so many who have quote unquote fallen from grace? It's tough out here. I came to talk real today. I'm not coming to talk cotton candy. I'm getting you ready for what you're about to enter into, ladies and gentlemen. How is it that we can go on? What is it that we must do? Everybody is scared now. What if I did this? What if I do that? Just preach the word and let God take care of the rest. Find yourself rooted and grounded in his word. Be a faithful soldier. Discharge the duties of ministry. Endure. Join in suffering. Even when they start to talk about you, hang in there. Preach. Don't apologize. Preach. Don't patronize. Preach. Don't back down. Preach. Until the world knows who Jesus is. Preach the word of God. You see, beloved, the time has come. The time has come when men, women, boys, girls, young and old, cannot handle the truth anymore. It's here. I'm telling you, it's here. They can't put up with sound doctrine anymore. Symbols, the first symbol in Genesis, all of a sudden it throws them off. I don't want to read the Bible anymore. Daniel, I don't want to go past Daniel chapter 3. We can stop with the three Hebrew boys. I'm good after that. We're good. We're good. Don't take me past Revelation 3. Opening doors and lambs slain and books being opened and seals being undone. What is this? But you, beloved, are tasked with ministering to this generation. For God has called you for such a time as this. And if he did not want you here, you would not be here. So preach. Stay faithful to the call. Continue to do the work of a good soldier. Don't count on a pandemic to do ministry for you. Be ready when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. Preach the word of God. I need to get ready to take my seat, but I want to let you know this way. You better preach when they are burning down black neighborhoods and terrorists are raiding the Capitol. Again, preach the word either when it's in person or even to a camera lens. I want you to preach whether they shout or they stay shut up. I want you to preach until the rocks cry out who Jesus is. Preach until the paint comes off this building and any building that you walk into. Preach until demons are exercised from your congregation. Preach until the community despises divination and responds to your righteous invitation. Preach until your vocal cords and lungs can't handle the strain anymore. 
preach until the three angels' messages have circulated the globe. And then I want you to preach it again. Preach until the homeless man knows and the homeless woman knows that I have a home in glory that outshines the sun. Preach until the victory is won. Preach like you've only just begun. Preach until you see the sun and preach until you hear those words. Well done. Preach. My brothers and sisters, preach the word of God, because the word is essential. Bow your heads with me. God, we thank you, because you've given us a challenge to preach. But God, we don't come in our own name, and we don't come with our own words. We come in the name of him who is faithful and able knowing that you who called, you also equip, you empower, and then you commissioned us to go out and tell somebody who Jesus is. God, dare I say it, pastors have the greatest job in the world. We get paid to talk about Jesus. We get paid to read about Jesus. We get paid to show how much we love Jesus. And God, there is no greater job I'm biased in the world, God, than being able to go around and simply let people know who you are. So God, I pray that you would bless every single seminarian, every faculty, every staff, everybody who walks within the shadow of this building. God, may they find that your presence is here. May they find reverence for this place and recognize that it is you who has called them here to Berrien Springs. It is you who is using this as a launching pad. And God, it is you who will use this mighty army of men and women who are going to change the world for you. It's you. And we can only do this through your word. Give us your word. Fill us with your spirit. And God... We'll see you soon, because we long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Enter now into the joy of that Lord. Bless us on the in-between, we pray, in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen and amen. Seminary family, God bless you until we meet again.